Welcome to the Brands Tech Interview Show. The episode will begin in one moment, so stay tuned. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Brands Tech. How are you all? So this is the brand series where I interview people uh, about technology. And here's my first, my very first um, guest, Michael. How are you today? What's up, Brandon? How are you? I'm doing well. What about yourself? I'm doing good. Thank you for uh, inviting me on. I'm the first guest, so it's super cool to be here. And uh, yeah. Of course. And yeah, and so um, so I believe that today's episode will be about um, technology and how it is affecting uh, television. Is that correct? Yeah, definitely. I think that's a cool topic. So would you like to start off with this before I ask any questions? Yeah, I mean, I think that the way technology has made, the way technology has made television, it's super cool because... 10 years ago or even 20 years ago when you're watching a show and you're just watching it and you didn't have like all these high-tech devices and now in 2020 2019 when you watch a show you literally can go on twitter and have a dialogue with fans connect with fans connect with facebook groups and just like when you're yelling at the character instead of yelling and talking to yourself you can talk to somebody else and you're having that dialogue with that person on via Twitter, via Facebook, via Instagram. And the cast members are now tweeting you back and saying, I agree with you. So it's just that effective communications of engaging, which is also helping the shows get more ratings because when uh, a show's airing and they're tweeting back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Now I'm invested off the screen and on the screen. So I think that technology heightened fans' involvement with the show 100%. For the for the better and for the worse. Hmm. Do you would you like to care? Um, would you care to explain about, um, about the for the worst part? Well, I think that sometimes... Sometimes... Um, sometimes critics can be very harsh and they don't understand how a tweet, a one mean tweet can affect how they think of themselves. So I think that sometimes we can be tweeting on our phones like, oh, this episode sucks, or I hate this person, I hate this character, and the actor or the director or the writer is reading these tweets like, well, I just put my, you know, my heart into this, and now you're destroying it, so now... So I think that as much as it is, as much as we're interacting now with Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, the negative reactions almost ruins all the positive reactions. Because you can have 20 comments saying, I love this show or I love these characters. And then one person says, I hate it. And now you're like, you're only focusing on the people that don't like your show. And that's with everything. That Yeah, that is a truly good point. And it's, it does bring up the point of like what the power that you hold within your hand that phone like you can use it for good or for evil you have to pick and some people really cannot make that choice right yeah because people forget that when you're sending that tweet there's the other human that's reading that tweet and they're impacted negatively about it 
Yes, that is very true. And so with um, these streaming services coming out, we've had Netflix that, well, they've been around for a while. They started off doing DVD rentals. And as of, I believe, November 12th, we now have Disney Plus and then HBO Max, May 2020. How do you feel as if these services are impacting what we think of as television? I think that Disney Plus and Netflix and the whole binge watching and all that, it's making TV more accessible. But also I think that it's rebranding TV for the new, for the millennials, for the new generation. I think that before, back in the early 2000s, back in the 2010s even, that waiting for Tuesday night to watch your show and waiting Friday night to watch this show and that show, I feel like those days are over. Now it's just January 1st, Netflix just released 20 episodes. Let's binge watch it and then go on Twitter and talk about it and then wait for the next season. So I think that it's just they're rebranding television and trying to keep television relevant to a new age. I think that if you think about it, everybody's getting phones, even at a young age, you know, a five-year-old is getting an iPhone for Christmas. That five-year-old's now going to be on their phone. They're not going to be watching TV, traditional TV anymore. So it's just growing with your audience, having things more accessible. So things like Disney Plus being on your phone or being on your iPad or your Chromebook or whatever devices you use, and you can just watch how many episodes you want, how many seasons you want, when you want, and you're not waiting for the next episode. It's way better. I think that we want the now factor. We are, we're unpatient as humans. We're not patient. So the fact that like now we don't have to wait the next week for the episode and I can binge watch it all in now, I think that it's giving the consumer that gratification. And it's just keeping TV relevant for this new age. And I think that's what Disney Plus and these streaming platforms are doing. Yeah, that is very true. Especially with, um, with how Netflix, as you mentioned, and sometimes even services like Hulu, they release all at once. But then Disney Plus, interestingly enough, um, they are even changing those lines with, um, you know, did you know that Netflix actually has a rule where you must have a full theme song? Whether, of course, that has the skipping feature, but they actually require Netflix that, that you have to have a full theme song. Really? Yeah, I just found that out recently. And so I thought that was interesting because you would think that with streaming, that that would go away because in the last couple, like 10, 20 years, you've had theme songs go from like like two minutes to like 10 seconds. Right. I but think then that, I Netflix. Guess... Oh, what were you going to say? Sorry, I didn't think... mean to cut you off. But I think that the, I don't know about me, but I feel like I appreciate, I appreciate a good theme song. I don't know about you, but like, I appreciate a good classic theme song. So I think that it's just like, you know, having those theme songs still there. I think it is also a huge point of the show because that's how, for certain shows, that's how we identify when Friends comes, for people that like Friends, when they hear that Friends theme song, it's home for them. You know? Yeah, and I totally agree with that. I love theme songs. I love 80s sitcoms. That's my thing. But I, I like a nice theme song to be able to identify the show, even even for the 20-second ones, although for the whole minute. But 
even the 20 second ones if you get a nice catchy tune that's what i'm gonna remember about the show right exactly and but what i find interesting is disney plus they don't release like netflix disney plus actually releases on a weekly basis like like traditional television right like their new shows yeah, I mean, because kind of like, you know, if you go on to Jeopardy, that's daily. You know, you have um, other, um, you know, you have like sitcoms, those come on once a week, you know, on traditional um, networks and channels. And Disney Plus does the same thing, you know, trying to make it more like traditional television. I think that Disney, Disney is trying to keep that same platform like they have on a channel, which is gravitate. uh just change it to Disney Plus. So I think that now that they're saying that they're in a streaming platform and there's more numbers and money and power in streaming. So what about we take the same format as Disney Channel, but Disney Channel into the streaming universe. And that's what Disney Plus is basically doing. Taking the same yeah. format as as the success of Disney Channel and merging it into the new age for the streaming platform. Yeah, and I agree. But what I find interesting is that while Netflix requires a full theme song, Disney Plus does not do theme songs. Hmm. Interesting. I find that really interesting because there's not really a standard for streaming, really. It's not because I think that we're we're in the streaming age. So we're making the rules and these companies are making the rules as they go. So I think that it's just they're figuring out the more receptive we are to it and the more we're growing to it and understanding it, then that's how the rules are coming. We're the streaming age. So I think that it's trial and error what the millennials and what the kids and young adults are liking now. That is very true. And how they can cop to it, yeah. And then even shows like the legacy... Um, PBS show um, Sesame Street. You know, in the last couple of years, you have had it go from PBS to HBO, and now it's even leaving HBO and going to HBO Max, um, the streaming service. Right. And There's power in streaming, so whatever, whatever the audience is watching, whatever can save those views, because a lot of primetime television shows or ratings are going down. So whatever they can do to gain those numbers back on whatever platform they can, it's what they're going to do. Yeah, and then even some streaming services are almost becoming more of on-demand, though, than a, like what we see as a streaming service. Like, for example, um, Hulu here in the U.S., it's, it seems more like an on-demand service than a streaming service, like competitive streaming service. I agree, but I think that I like Hulu about, I think a lot of people I was going on Twitter, and they like the aspect of they can binge watch season one of a show and all the way to the current season where Netflix, they might, they might only have certain seasons available. With Hulu, it's just like on demand, exactly just like on demand, because whenever that episode airs, it's going to be on Hulu the next day, like an on demand service. And also, whenever... Uh, let's just say the new season of Grownish is coming out. So Freeform puts up season one, two, and three of Grownish before season four comes out. Hulu's gonna have one, two, three, four, the first three seasons of Grownish. So it's, I think that Hulu is like a on demand. 
it's that same format. And I think that that's why so many people like Hulu. Yeah, and I feel as Hulu has almost reached its almost death, you know, lately with um, all, almost all of its partners sort of backing out of Hulu and now making their own competitive streaming services where you have AT&T backing out, they're launching HBO Max, you have NBC, they have coming out with Peacock, but they'll say we're remaining a partner for the next two years, I believe. And then even now, it's being advertised as a partner service to um, Disney+. Plus. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I think that Hulu was ahead of its time. And now, I think that with their original content flopping and just, they can't, they're just like behind the game. They're kind of like the WB of streaming platforms. Have a lot of good ideas, a lot of potential, but not really fully there. Yeah, and I truly do believe that this is the time. This year, I feel as if we'll define what is television. Um, if not any other time, I feel like this 2020-2021 will define what exactly is television. Yeah, I think definitely. Because we're, I think especially for us growing up in the 2000s and 2010s, we're seeing, we've seen the change of television from the early 2000s growing up to normal American, all-American sitcoms to now where everything is pushing boundaries and being edgy and different stories and different lifestyles and different races and et cetera, et cetera, being displayed. Yeah, and I drew... So I yeah. Oh, sorry, didn't mean to cut you off again. No, you're fine. Yeah, we're really seeing television change with our eyes and we could see that we grew up with the growing up with the smart guy and the home improvement and george lozbeth show but now moving into more shows that are pushing that pushing the boundaries like american horror story and oj the oj uh documentaries and you know what i'm saying so we're really watching how game of thrones and all these shows are pushing boundaries and we literally watch the shift of television I think that the shift of television speaks to the culture today and how the culture changes. Yeah, and then even series, I see, I've recently come to the conclusion that we should stop using the term TV show and just use series because you now have stuff like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That is a TV format, but it's on television. I mean, if it's in the movies, like where you have, instead of different episodes, you have different movies that make up one big story. Right. I think that it's just same thing, which is finding different ways to brand it to make it appeal to the new generation. That's that's just with everything now. Same thing, but just changing certain things and then rebranding it to make it relevant for the millennials and for the new generation or for the new culture. Yeah, and yeah, and just looking at it all, you even have some stuff. You have a lot. The last few years have been spent using making like a lot of like revivals of old stuff, um, you know, both television, movies, everything, because it's sort of where because everything is so temporary now and such short term. It's like we now almost need some more stable, you know, stable properties that are you know within the two thousands because there's so much stuff now. It's not like the 1980s where you had three major networks. So you, so you know, you had a, essentially a 33% possibility 
that you watch one of those shows. Right. There's now There's so, so much content. So many channels. Right. Oh. But yeah, I mean... Very true. Yeah, kind of like you have the ABC series Boy Meets World. This this generation, you had Girl Meets World. It, while it didn't have the exact same audience, it played the same purpose to try to be, you know, that, that stable piece that you were able to remember um, for people's childhood look back at. Right, and now Nickelodeon brought back all that, and now they're bringing back a rumor to bring back Zoe 101. So taking classics and re- reintroducing it to a new generation for that familiarness, for the, you know what I'm saying, for the classic. Because now classics in now. Yeah, and so I have a question for you. So with those revivals and bringbacks and all of that um, reboots, do you feel as if those are made to serve a new audience or do you feel as if those are to serve the old audience? I don't think it's made to for for the old audience because I feel like when I look at these reboots these reboots it doesn't same it doesn't serve the same purpose as for like Raven's Home the way Raven Home is written is watered down people watch that's a Raven because they wanted Raven Simone to push those boundaries to give us comedy give us you know what I'm saying her twerking to the her spinoff of Crazies in Love like people watch Raven Simone push boundaries and not to Raven. I think that today, Raven's home is watered down. I think that it's made for. They're trying to take the same format as Raven Simone did with That's a Raven, and then they're trying to make it appeal to kids today. But the problem is, kids today are completely different than kids were in 2002. You know what I'm saying? So I think the problem is they're trying to remake something that was never meant for them. So then for us, it feels super corny. But to them, they're like, oh, yeah, we're well, people loved all that back then. We loved all that back then because it was a different time. It was a different, you know what I'm saying? We loved the cast. They loved Keenan and Kel, Nick Cannon, Amanda. They don't, you know what I'm saying? So I think that they're trying to reimagine something for a generation that doesn't even know what it was from. That is very true. So to them, it's. So for them, it seems like it's the normal, but for us that knows the original, we're like, yo, this is not it. Because, but they have these generations, the kids now, they don't know what it was before. So they have nothing to compare off of. And I think that us or the people, college kids now, they have something to compare it off of. So they're like, this is not what we grew up on. This is not for us. Because it's a different world. That is very true. And then, there's very few series that I have seen that has that have fully you know that have come back that truly successfully either a captured the new audience with um or captured both audiences. Um, Girl Meets World I feel as if it really captured well attempted its best to capture the um, the current audience, but not, maybe not so much the original audience um, from Boy Meets World. But I feel like it does a good job at trying to bring that same value back. But then you yeah, have, I agree. Yeah. And then but for and then some series like Fuller House, I feel like that one does, you know, a good enough job of being able to capture both audiences. Um at least within season three and up anyway. 
Yeah, but I actually, I so I watched Boy Meets World, and I watched Girl Meets World, and I think that Disney, for that Pacific series, they did good. They did a good job having that same values. So I think that for that one, they did pretty good. But like I said, Raven's Home, it doesn't serve the same justice. But I also think that it's just a different time period. So to me, it's just not going to feel the same because it's not made for me. It's for this generation. Yeah, that is that is a really good point that I'm not sure if everyone fully understands. It's like when some stuff, um, series and um, even properties are remade, it's not really, it's like we're not always the intended audience. Right, and we think that it's for us. So we're over here dragging the writers and actors saying, you'll never be Keenan and Kel, you'll never be Amanda, you'll never be uh, Kurt, you know what I'm saying? these actors that we love from the 90s or the 2000s, but you have to think about it like it's not made for us it's made for the kids growing up today in elementary school so I think that we're comparing something that's not even made for us yeah that is that's just like a kid that's just like a five-year-old complaining about Game of Thrones well obviously a five-year-old they're not making Game of Thrones for a five-year-old you know what I'm saying so it's just that knowing the audience it's not it's not for us. Stop being selfish. Like, it's not for us. It's for them. And I think that we just need to keep that in mind when we're being critics on these reboots. That it's not made for us. Yeah, so that is very true. And like I said, I could go on probably for hours with this discussion, but, um, but we don't have, of course, you know, that much time. But is there any last things that you'd really like to say or any, like, questions that you have? Um, I, I do want to say... I wish that we stop rebooting everything and let us reminisce and let us remember things the way it was. I think that, I think that I just like, reboots are like so not, I feel like they're whack because I feel like I want to remember that time period. Let it be retro. Retro's cool. Why do we have to keep reimagining things? Like, like the Disney, like Lion King and Jungle Book, like, it's cool. I understand that we're bringing it back for this generation, but why can't we just let things be nostalgic? You know what I'm saying? That's very true. And then it's kind of where... I love the nostalgic yeah. feeling. Sorry, so I didn't mean to cut you, you off. Where do you see television going? Where do you see television going in the next five years? Uh, For me, I feel as if it really has to find its footing because... I mean, I feel as if television, the word television is probably going to become irrelevant within the next five years. And I mean, kind of like the Apple commercial that said, what is a computer? I feel like the next question will be, what is a television? Because televisions, like, I mean, the physical you, television uses almost the same stuff as a smartphone now. Do you even think primetime TV, what's going to be a thing by the time we get to 2030? I feel like it will be a thing, but, well, I feel like the, the thing, it's, it, primetime TV itself will be a thing, but I don't feel like that term will be used at all anymore. I, I don't feel like it would be as relevant as it is now, because, um, I mean, broadcast networks, they used to be made to serve everyone, but now, they, they don't have right. to. Not ev- No one, I mean, not everyone is using it, and so now it can finally use its own audience, and so... I'm starting to feel as if words like prime time um, and daytime, that they're going to start becoming irrelevant after a certain period of time. 
I agree. I think that it's like there's so many options now, and there's everybody. There's like everyone has a seat at the table. So you watch what you want to watch. There's so many options now that I feel like everyone has their programming. Everybody has a seat at the table now. Before it used to be like if you're not on ABC, if you're not on NBC, if you're not on CBS, you're not successful. Yeah, and that's very true. And I feel like we're almost having a, you know, speaking of all of these um, reboots and not to extend this um, too much, but I feel like we're seeing almost the dynamic between switching from radio to television, almost between television to streaming. Definitely. We're, we're seeing like the lines blurred between everything. And so I feel like the 2000s will be, 2020s will be known as the one that changes what we think about how technology has changed everything that we know and care about. And I feel like by the time we get to the 2030s that we're going to look back at the 2010s and be like, what happened? Honestly, yeah. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. But this has been an amazing discussion, and I'm so happy to have you as my very first um, guest. Yeah, it's super cool. I, I love doing uh, podcasts and just talking about these topics. Because I, I think of these topics all the time. And it's like, so it's really cool that I got to share my thoughts. So I appreciate you having me on. And I can't wait for you to for you to produce more episodes and for me to listen. I love a good podcast when I go to bed. So I look forward to seeing your podcast grow. And I'm glad that I can boast and say I was the OG. That is great. And so I'm going to um, wrap this up. Thank you to everyone who has listened Um listen to this episode and I hope that you all enjoy it and the next one will be coming out next month thank you all so much and thank you again Michael thank you for having me oh no problem have a great day